Welcome to Advocacy Watch, the monthly advocacy episode of A Matter of Faith, a Presby podcast. We are brought to you by the Office of Public Witness and the Presbyterian Ministry at the United Nations. Without further ado, let's dive into today's advocacy updates. Hi, we would love to welcome you to this episode of Advocacy Watch. We are so excited as the Office of Public Witness and the Presbyterian Ministry of the United Nations come together to talk to you about all of the exciting work that we are engaged in. This episode will focus on the work of the UN office, and they have an exciting opportunity to talk with Sue and Ivy. And also we have some Yavs here with us. We have Emma and Victoria. They're going to talk about the work that they're engaged in. Just a quick word on the focus of the Washington office as we will look at voting rights for next month. But for today, I think we really have some exciting webinars coming up between now and the end of the year. We're going to talk about Cuba. We're going to talk about Palestine. We're also going to talk about the um, killing of the Iranian activists. And we're just excited to present these. We will give you more information in the days to come as we do not have all of the dates worked out. But again, welcome to Advocacy Watch, and we look forward to engaging with you as we are online, but especially as we are doing our work each and every day. So, Sue, I will turn it over to you. Thanks, Jimmy. It's always great to be with you and to be doing these podcasts together. Uh, This is our second one after the first inaugural podcast we did last month, uh, just introducing both of our offices. And we thought it would be fitting this month to talk about the UN and the General Assembly that is happening right now as a way of getting our listeners to learn a little bit more about what we do and what is happening here at the ministry. So before we get into the content, I thought it'd be a great um, opportunity for us to introduce the staff of the Presbyterian Ministry at the UN. Aside from myself, we have Ivy Lopedito, Emma Johnston, and Victoria Alexander. And I may have messed up the order, but I apologize. And they will do their own introductions. So Ivy, why don't you take it away? Yes. Thank you, Sue. So hi, my name is Ivy Lopedito, and I am the Associate for International Issues here at the Presbyterian Ministry of the United Nations. Our office is in New York City. Um, I actually just moved back last February, so I'm happy to be back. It is a joy to be back in person and um, be with the staff again here in New York. And why don't we then move on to Emma? Hi, I'm Emma Johnston. I'm one of the YAVs at the Presbyterian Ministry at the United Nations this year. I'm still very new at this, but very excited to have a whole year learning more about um, the Presbyterian ministry specific advocacy here at the UN. And Victoria, would you like to go next? Hi, I'm Victoria. I'm a second year YAV. I served in Scotland last year and I'm really enjoying getting to be back on the side of the pond and getting to work with PMUN and also get to um, cooperate with Jimmy's office down in DC too. We are so pleased to have both Emma and Victoria be part of our young adult volunteer persons this year. Already, Ivy and I already feel like we know them because they were part of our um, commission on the status of women delegation last year and had a chance to get to know them. And they're just really awesome, awesome 
uh, young women. And we can't wait to see what what will happen, uh, what uh, they can bring to the work uh, we have this year. So we are really, really excited. The UN General Assembly uh, is considered the Super Bowl and the World Cup of International Diplomacy that meets once a year in September. And it snarls traffic on First Avenue and New Yorkers just complain it about it incessantly. And it is like a parking lot, really. It's hard to navigate. And it was harder this year than it's been in a long time since actually I've started working at um, the ministry at the UN. Um, It's where the world leaders gather to speak to the world about their country's priorities and speak to one another about pressing issues. And so what we see are the leaders standing at the podium in the assembly hall giving speeches, but there are also lots of behind the scenes negotiations and quiet diplomacy that go on. And we, as the ministry at the UN, are part of some of those meetings and diplomacy efforts. And to tell us more about the General Assembly this year, um, I'd like to um, have Ivy explain that in more detail. Yes. So I thought it would be helpful to just briefly cover what the General Assembly of the United Nations is. So created in 1945, the General Assembly is the democratic heart of the United Nations. The General Assembly has 193 member states and each one has an equal voice in the decision-making. At the General Assembly, it debates pressing issues that affect millions of people globally, whether that's peace and security, human rights, development, and much more. So specifically, this year is the 77th session of the General Assembly, which opened on the 13th of September, and we are still in it right now, Um, and it is under the theme a watershed moment, transformative solutions to interlocking challenges. Basically, this theme stems from the recognition that the world is at a critical moment in history of the United Nations due to the complex and interconnected crisis, including COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic, the war in Ukraine, humanitarian challenges of unprecedented nature, a tipping point in climate change, as well as growing concerns about threats to the global community. So the UN overall believes that it is therefore necessary to find and focus on joint solutions to these crises and build a more sustainable and resilient world for all and for the generations to come. So we thought we'd turn it over now to the young adult volunteers who've had this awesome opportunity to actually be present in person in the General Assembly Hall to listen to the speeches of world leaders, to get their reflections on what they heard and what they saw and what were some of the recurring themes, why they think it's important. And and we have uh, provided this opportunity uh, as a ministry of presence that we are in the hall Um, as a NGO, as a non-governmental organization, that's what we're recognized as at the United Nations, but to be there to listen to what the leaders have to say, to listen to those, especially who do not have a voice, to give opportunity to the voiceless and to bring about advocacy that can bring about change, um, social justice that we have been called to do as a church. So, 
Uh, without further ado, um, I wanted to ask Victoria and Emma, and Victoria, why don't we go first with you this time? Uh, what was it like to attend General Assembly in person? It was unreal. I mean, you can you get about two or three blocks away from the actual UN building and, you know, the police barricades start and um, the you can just get a sense for it even that far out of just how significant the event is. And then once you're in the doors, the energy is like nothing I have ever experienced. Part of it was probably my own personal perception being like, this is absolutely crazy that I am in here with these people right now and that everyone has come from all over with, you know, hopefully an in good faith commitment to try and solve these crises currently facing us. Um, I had the privilege of being there on the day that President Biden spoke. So that added an extra layer of excitement and also chaos. And he was, he spoke seventh that day. So as the speeches were kind of going on and as we were getting closer, you could feel the energy in the room rising and um, it got more and more crowded and poor Suriname went just before the U.S. and no one was really listening to them. And um, <laughs> a lot of the high ranking U.S. dignitaries were starting to file in like John Kerry. And there would be like a, a murmur through the room. And some of the reporters up in the balcony with us would be, you know, getting pictures and video. There was a fluctuation throughout the day during each country's speeches, as you know, some people would take lunch, but everyone was in their seats um, for Biden's speech. And the level of authority and influence that the U.S. wields, there, there was something tangible to that in the room. And you could really see people were paying attention for better or for worse. And also, you know, for better or for worse, we do still wield a whole lot of influence. And with that, I kind of felt, you know, we have a special kind of duty to do the best that we can in such an influential role. And I felt that like not even just as a U.S. citizen, but also, you know, as a young person in a church that has consultative status with the UN and has kind of this important role of um, lifting up certain issues that maybe policymakers might want to try and avoid or lift up people that are sometimes looked over. So it was just unreal to get that feeling in person and to be at the center of where it was all happening. And it really is, you could feel like the best of the human spirit in that room because yes, there are all of these enormous crises facing us, but also there are so many people here committed to confronting them and trying to solve them. And it was reassuring to know that, you know, the person sitting next to me probably has a different list of priorities than I do, but they're no less important. And you know, as even just as our organization, we're incapable of lifting up every single topic or person that needs to be lifted up. So knowing like just as the UN member states are there to bring their own priorities, you have all these NGOs working as well. It's a really comforting feeling and it's a really encouraging feeling. So it was just an amazing day. That's wonderful to hear. How about you, Emma? I mean, yeah, at the risk of kind of going overboard I felt very much the same way I think I think definitely there's a sort of you know you definitely feel just so cool walking through with your badges feeling you know like wow I have access to something I don't know that is just I think it as as you mentioned earlier it is really like the Super Bowl of of diplomacy and so it's like when you've grown up hearing the words the UN the UN the UN 
it's kind of crazy to think, oh my gosh, I'm able to, I guess, bear witness to this. And obviously that's the thing is it's not like you're speaking, you're just there. And it's so exciting to be there and, you know, to be sitting next to, to, I don't know, like I, we were sitting up in the balcony, which meant that you'd have different delegations that hadn't got a seat down below that would come. So I'd get to, you know, I, I was one of the, we were one of the few, I think, NGOs who had decided to make use of the passes to come all the time. So I was sitting there like the whole, the whole first day, but obviously the different delegations would walk in and you'd see everyone like, you know, from Barbados with their, you know, the little signs that said Barbados and they'd be clapping for their person or then Korea would come in and you'd just be sitting next to people from, you know, around the world here to support their world leaders with the same sort of, I guess, excitement that I felt, you know, seeing, I guess, the French president or someone that I knew, you know, and I didn't know this person, but, you know, they were so excited to see what they had to say. And of course, then it made me excited to hear what they had to say as well. So I think, yeah, it's definitely a buzz. And I think it's definitely, yeah, an experience that I'll, I'll hold for a while. Yeah, I mean, I'm an old timer and I get chills every time I go. And uh, Ivy, you were there too. Maybe you could share your thoughts briefly too. Yeah, you know, being in person is just, it's so exciting. There is an energy that I really haven't felt in a long time. I have been to the UN General Assembly a few years ago um, and It was just, it was so wonderful to finally be back. And of course, it's even more palpable being in the room while heads of states and governments speak. And I'm like, man, I don't want to take any of these opportunities for granted. And, you know, really, this is the biggest moment on the diplomatic calendar. And I saw that it was also the largest United Nations General Assembly in recent years after two years of being virtual. So we've been virtual for during COVID-19. And so being back, you could just tell that people were ready to be back, that we were ready to um, join together once again after being away for so long. And like I'd mentioned a little bit earlier, UNGA took place and it is taking place against the backdrop of just a lot of complex and interconnected crises like climate change, COVID, inequality, poverty, hunger. For me being there, it just, I really felt the need for, there was just, there's this need for global cooperation and it's just so much more urgent than ever. And for me, what I saw was many countries emphasized the importance of upholding multilateralism and solidarity. And it was just, it was, it was a moment that that I think is needed for all of us. And I am hopeful to see the outcomes of what they all had spoken and seeing how we will act on what was spoken here at the UN. I think you've covered some of the questions that I uh, was thinking about, but uh, just briefly, were there like compelling or interesting speeches that you want to just shout out uh, that kind of struck out to you? that may not have uh, been covered by mainstream media just because you happen to be there and, you know, it's an issue that you're passionate about or it's part of something that, you know, our office is working on. Who I, I see some nodding. Who wants to go? I just cannot get over the incredible leadership that small um, island states like Papua New Guinea yeah. and Barbados have shown, even countries like Guyana or Bhutan, like, they are out there on the front lines 
of the climate crisis. It's not their fault that they are facing these challenges. They are not the ones producing so much pollution and so much carbon, but they are still meeting the challenge in remarkable ways. And also, several of them were not afraid to directly call out countries like the US and China and India that are generating so much pollution and causing the problem in the first place. But they're not doing it in an antagonistic way, but inviting them to join in their efforts and saying, you know, we're here, we have solutions, we just need development support for them. And I think it's the best of what the UN has to offer. You know, they're they're in good faith. They're recognizing we are all part of a global community. They're saying, these are strengths that I have that I want to share. And their leaders were calm and measured, but still passionate. And I just thought it struck an incredible balance. And to me, those were some of the most empowering and inspiring speeches for myself is hearing, you know, the answers are here. We just need to lift them up. So I really enjoyed hearing from those countries. I I think similarly, I would like highlight as well. I really enjoyed um, Barbados's speech. I felt like it, I think she was, she was amazing. And there was, I guess this real, not just, it felt like there were concrete solutions offered within her speech. Um, she was talking about this Bridgetown agenda that I guess it, they, that Barbados had, um, I guess it was um, leaders and inter- intellectuals and professors from all around Barbados had like come together write this Bridgetown agenda that would that they were inviting other countries to look at and apply to them apply themselves and I felt like there was just this way of I don't know like yeah as as Victoria said you know the the answers are there there are people are are really working hard but similarly I I don't want to also hammer home so much this idea that it's all sunshine and rainbows at the UN that it's like I, I also wanted to like just remark that, you know, while you're having these amazing speeches, you do notice as well that a lot of these speeches are being given, you know, I think the UN is an amazing time for people to come together. But I think some of these, you know, you want people to, I guess, walk the walk as well. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of talk, a lot of bluster. There were some countries that, you know, perhaps don't have very good human rights records that are telling, you know, that are saying, oh, we're so committed to human rights. We're so committed to, you know, listening to women, listening to these, these like upholding minority voices. And then you see that, for example, I'm not going to name names, but that person, you know, was, was wanted for war crimes. So it's, I think it's, I think we have to, while there's this, like, I think there's a spirit of idealism at the UN that I think we need to keep. I think also it really, I felt like it was up to us as well, hopefully that we can, maybe this year, this will be the year that people want to turn those, I guess, ideas into action. Because I think there are a lot of countries that are, I guess, wanting to, to sound and say the right things, but could be, you know, even even the US or Norway, you know, Norway's talking about climate change and they're the ones that are with fossil, a lot of fossil fuels. So I think, yeah, I think as, as Victoria said, there's hope within, I think, some of these smaller countries that have that have smaller voices, but are actually living out the ideals that we should be doing on a larger scale. Thanks, Emma. That you have observed uh, so much 
<laughs> in your short time with uh, the office, uh, the ministry at the UN, it's it's marvelous that you've picked all that up. The one thing that I uh, remind myself and all of you too is is that every country has one vote. And so whether you're small or big, you only have one vote. Uh, and you can, if you come together, make things happen and take action. And I think uh, just our listeners can also hear from what we're saying that we have a lot of work to do, a lot of work cut out for us, and you have the energy to, to assist and help us do that work in this coming year. So I thank you so much for sharing your reflections with us. Thank you very much for that exciting conversation. It is just a reminder to Presbyterians that we are engaged in advocacy justice, not only in the continental United States, but all around the world, and that the ministry at the United Nations is so important and so informative to Presbyterians that we are keeping an eye on what's going on in, in, in countries and in lands that we have never visited. So thank you again for sharing and as you did, I watched the president um, on television, but I can't imagine what it must have been like to have actually been in the room as we see that the United States is once again offering positive and, and affirmative leadership on the world stage. We look forward to joining you next month as we talk about voting rights and the upcoming midterm elections on November the 8th. We will see you then. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Advocacy Watch. We want to thank Sue and Jimmy for joining us on the podcast each month as they highlight the advocacy work that the church is doing and to offer us some ways to get involved. So check out Advocacy Watch each month. Look forward to it and join, subscribe, leave us a review. And of course, if you have a question for any of us, send them to faithpodcasts at peaceusa.org. We will talk to you again soon.